I have a bag again. Some of you have been around for a little while, may know this story. I went to Harrods when I was in London and all I bought was the bag. <laughs> really, the exchange, <laughs> this is all I got. I know it looks like I've got, like, uh, it looks like, um, you know, um, 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 I've got expensive stuff in here, but, but actually it's just the bag, like some people, you know, the good, good bag, but nothing inside, eh? but no, I'm sorry, that was too soon, too soon. Um, we've been in a conversation, I'm going to leave it there, but I need something from it in a moment. We've been in a conversation about figuring out what's in your bag. It works off the premise that some parts of Scripture encourage us that God made us a certain way and He invested some things into us. And if we're wise in the way we live, we can add into our bag skills and capacities and character. And then when you look in the bag, you can figure out what your purpose or capacity is. We talked about it that way. Last week, we used the Scripture about David killing Goliath. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17 that David looked into his shepherd's bag and there, finding five smooth stones, he dealt with um, Goliath. I have a friend in the service who said to me, he's a leather worksman, he said, I'm going to make you a bag that they used for the sowing of seeds, a leather bag, and I'm going to gift that to you. And I'm quite excited. I'm looking forward to having a memorial of the series, What's in Your Bag? Amen. And so, is that clappable? So we're in part two production. If you could stick that up for me. We're in part two of that uh, conversation. There are a couple of passages of Scripture that are attempting to just read uh, uh, past and not look at. The one I'm about to read is one of those. And, but I think it's a good introduction to part two. Deuteronomy chapter 25 from the New King James Version says, you shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure that your days may be uh, lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, that might seem pretty arbitrary. Uh, why would you have any weights in your bag at all? But there is a deep meaning to it that would have been very practical if you lived in the times the Bible was written, but is still practical today. What he's saying is this. In those days, they would use scales to measure out uh, something you were selling or buying. Remember, there was, I think Willie's used to do this in South Africa. You could go and get a plate of food and weigh it and then pay by weight. Do you remember that? That didn't work in South Africa for lots of reasons. I don't know how heavyweight we are. But uh, the idea was, uh, don't have two different uh, weights in this sense that when you are uh, about to uh, sell something and you like the person, you put a light counterweight or a heavy counterweight to make it seem like they haven't bought much. But when you don't like someone, you look in the bag and you switch it up and you are not just to everybody the same way. You pick and choose what you throw yourself into and what you give weight to and what you don't. And this passage of Scripture is provoking us to think, don't be two-faced or double-minded or hypocritical that you are in front of one person, a certain kind of person, a heavyweight in the faith, and in another, you're quite light, lightweight. That's a powerful passage of Scripture, isn't it? 
And then John chapter 10, I want to pair it with John chapter 10, it's a very well-known passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to dig in my Herod's bag and, and show you one of the things I never travel without. I don't know what you never travel without. For some people, I'm sure you've got your things you always travel with. I'll show you one of them. Uh, John chapter 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come uh, that they, you may have life and that they, you may have it more abundantly. And so a conversation today about being consistent looking into the bag and only having things of equal value and weight, of equal measure and length, and also how to avoid having something meaningful in your life stolen. So with that as an introduction at the very beginning, can I, can I dig into my bag um, and, uh, and get some stuff out? Is that okay? Are you guys still looking for seats? Um, I, I'm sure we, there are a couple of seats right in front where I was sitting. There's, there are three seats there. So if you want to know there's some people standing and some people in the overflow room. Oh, it's nice to say that. Oh, it's so nice to say that. Um, I'm, I'm also a dispenser of various chemicals. Um, so uh, I promised a, a friend in the service that I would get them a, a, uh, organic pesticide for their uh, uh, fruits. Uh, since I'm growing fruits, because I don't know, I'm old. Um, I ate my own watermelon, grown own, own watermelon yesterday. I was so excited about it. I saved 75 rand. That's how ridiculous they are. This is oleum oil, which is a, a biodegradable, uh, non-chemical uh, pesticide. Uh, could I ask somebody to take it to the Duplessis, please? Desiree, could you stick your hand up if you if you're there uh, and, um, and and get it to you? And if, if they're not here, I, I saw I saw their son uh, standing in worship a minute ago. Where, where are you? Are you whistling at me? Praise the Lord. Okay, so I promised you that. That's what you use to, to keep the bags away. Um, and then uh, I told you the other day that um, I'm planning to build an extension to my home this year. So I've, I've, for some reason, I'm still carrying plans around. Uh, but the thing I want to do, um, <coughs> uh, show you today, um, I always take my own multi-plug. I think a multi-plug is important. Do not rely on your destination to have a multi-plug. Also, multi-plugs are the most stealable item even among friends. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you, but for some reason, if you leave a multi-plug without a name on it somewhere, it is gone. In churches, <laughs> in churches, you can't keep a multi-plug for 15 minutes. Do you know, we had to change the plugs above communion. We used to have a two-prong there, a little adapter to two-prong to charge, you know, phones and things. Every week we were donating it to somebody. And so we actually changed the plug. The plugs are two-prong. Next month is probably the plug's going to be taken out the wall. So please don't do that. Just pray and ask the Lord for the kind of work that allows you to buy your own multiplex. So... <laughs> I particularly like these ones. These are from Builders, hashtags, not a sponsored post. Um, because they modular, you can keep adding. Uh, you just clip on more and more of them. And I'm a firm. Now, one day if I'm president, um, and look, uh, you know, uh, it would be nice. We would have electricity there. But is that too soon? Six hours at a time. At a time. Eyeball. 
but you know, I don't see the point of, of two prongs with a round and two prongs with a, I don't know, we're just making expenses. Uh, don't go anywhere without connectors. I want to talk to you about the things you're connecting to, the things that can't find a way to connect to you, the things that are occupying connections unnecessarily, and the danger of not letting God decide what goes into the connections. We don't have an infinite number of connections as human beings. We have a finite number of connections. Capacity can perhaps be defined as our ability to prioritize what goes into the available connectors in our hearts, in our minds, and in our actions. And we are not infinite in this regard. We are finite. In fact, even Jesus was intentional about his connections. He had the three favorite closer disciples, and then he had the 12. And then at some point, there were the 72, and then the 120 uh, on, the, on the day of Pentecost. Uh, the connections matter. And some people are over-connected or under-connected. I found during lockdown living alone that one of the most awful things about living alone is if you have no ways of making connections with people. Dark thoughts come into your mind when you're not connected properly. And it's an interesting world in which we live in because nowadays everybody uh, seems to be very self-aware and are happy to announce their self-awareness. So we'll say, hey man, my name's so-and-so and, you know, good to meet you and I'm dead 25 and I suffer from anxiety. People are quite comfortable to say what they're wrestling with and I think that's okay. The only problem is what people mean when they say that is they mean you change your behavior to accommodate my anxiety. They don't mean I'm busy fighting it to get through it, to get to the other side of it and be healthy again. I'm assuming this is my status. So one of my connectors has anxiety in it and it's permanently blocked and everybody else must work around my situation. That is not biblical. Biblical says I do have it, but I'm, I've got a plan for it. I'm working it out. God is working in me to resolve it. It won't be long and that space will be available for something more meaningful to connect into it. But I'm not owning it to live it. Do you see what I mean? And there's this huge danger. Can I just leave that on the floor? There's a huge danger in us uh, letting things plug in and then not realize they become preoccupations. Preoccupations. And that can happen so incredibly easily. Colossians chapter 2 from the New Living Translation says, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have visions about these things, their sinful minds have uh, made them proud, uh, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and have and and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Do you know the Bible even tells us that Christians can become preoccupied? 
Christians can have things occupying their minds and their hearts that take them away from their responsibilities, constantly seeing visions and dreams and pushing people into different directions. But when you look into the, the configuration of their relationships or their responsibilities, there's weakness. When you look into their vision, capability and dreams, there's a lot there. You know what this verse reminds us of? Don't get disconnected even on spiritual things. You can go off on your own tangent is what that verse says. You can go off on your own tangent. There are lots of Christian things that can become preoccupations. Is it okay if I dare myself into one or two of those preoccupations? And then if you don't like this part of what I'm saying, just like, say, uh, you know, he lost the plot there at 9.50, but he was back at 9.52. Is that okay? End times preoccupation. The world is going to end any minute can become a preoccupation. The only thing I'm interested about that is that Jesus came and will come again and in between I will live as a follower of Jesus Christ. It, it, it can be a, a preoccupation about demons and angelic visitations, overly focused on things that are not practical but are very emotional. I've met a lot of friends like that. I've been like that. You're in a car, you're driving past the place, go, ooh, that has a demon. Did you feel the goose flesh? Probably not, just the air con. Maybe a little too strong in your car. Stop occupying. You see, the problem is, it's not whether it's right or wrong. It's filling up space. Stop asking whether it's right or wrong. You must ask, is it worth it? You see, there's a verse, in fact, in the Bible that says, not all things... Are, are, are beneficial. They, you may ha have permission, they are permissible, but they are not necessarily beneficial. I've got permission, I've got permission to talk about angels and demons all day. Is it beneficial? Or am I filling up one of my connector spaces which defines my capacity with something that will bear no fruit? And then of course, there's the danger of never feeling like you're making a connection. I've been there. Over the last year, maybe I have to admit that I've stood in the front in the service many times and because of all kinds of burdens going on in my mind, there were a lot of things we had to go through two years ago, a lot. I couldn't connect with God and it frustrated me. I just couldn't connect in the worship and I couldn't connect in reading my Bible. And I remember many times in the front row saying, Lord, if you just help me for the next half an hour, if you just help me connect for the next half an hour, we'll talk about it when I get home. And God was not absent. Capacity was occupied. And you have to unburden those things so God can put, can put new things. For behold, He makes all things new. You have to get some old things out the way in order to, you have to pack some things away. I'll, I'll explain that in the time we have. Ephesians chapter 4 from the message says this, everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. Then uh, take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed in the, uh, from the inside and working itself uh, into your conduct as God accurately reproduces His character in you. Romans chapter 11 goes on to say it like this. It's certainly possible uh, to say uh, other branches were pruned so that I could be grafted in. Well and good. But they were pruned 
because they were dead wood, no longer connected by belief and by commitment. The only reason you're on uh, the tree is because you were, your graft took when you believed and because you're connected to the believing, uh, belief nourishing root. So don't get, there it is, cocky and strut your branch. Is that in the Bible? Uh, be humbly mindful of the root that keeps you growing and green. I wanted to encourage you that what this verse is, it's a gardening thing, and I just slip a gardening thing in there. I'm obsessed. Um, what it's saying is not every graft takes. You plant 20 seeds, five grow. You, you get a couple of seedlings, a, a few die. Uh, have the wisdom to know that when something's dying, cut it out. It's gone. How many of you here pining for a relationship that ended in 2019, preoccupied by somebody who can't remember your name anymore? Sorry, that was an evening service example. I had to, listen, I'm talking to myself, get over it. Get over it, you're just going to have to cut it out. I mean, you give yourself a bit of time, but eventually you're like, hey, space is taken up here. Praying to the Lord for new things. The Lord's saying, make a shelf somewhere so I can put some new things there. Becoming hoarders of things that are dead. I had to, I had to figure that out. You know, my father passed away during the pandemic. He never got to come and see this venue. Sad. I had to process that. I was disappointed and frustrated with God. But in the end, I can't, I can give it a period of time, but I can't fill a connector with it because I will have diminished my capacity through an action of something I cannot change. Was that a clappable moment? I wouldn't talk about it if I didn't feel like I, I was in some part of healing on it. So you really don't need to uh, uh, come and hack me afterwards. But... Um, about a cappuccino, um, and so and so. Sorry, did I did I um, did I um, uh, hint too bravely? So I'd like to take you through a couple of ideas on how to navigate that. The first I may have almost skipped past is to be careful that uh, you are not otherwise occupied. I spoke to a friend recently who said, "Oh, they, all they want in twenty twenty three is just to get married." And they believing that God will lead the right person into their lives this year. I said, I support you. I agree with you. I pray for you. God bless you. I said, but you're going to have to make some changes. They said, why? I said, you've got a best friend who's occupying the space of your future spouse in your life. And you need to make some space so somebody, okay, people are amening and high-fiving one another and I don't know what's going on right now. I'm assuming that I've just stepped into some fight you guys had last night. But you can't have a best friend you're not going to marry and ask the Lord to fill a space. Where? Where? He's on the periphery. She's on the periphery because you occupied. George, I can't, I've got no time to read the Bible. I bet you do. I bet you do. If we just unplugged a couple of things. I bet you do. If we just unplug maybe, I don't know, you just unplug maybe that TV time. That's one of the big plugs. <laughs> I mean, look how the Lord has helped you. Six hours, no power. You got, you, you got time. <laughs> 
It's not the Lord. It's God making the most of the works of the devil. So, oh, I'm saying all the wrong things today. I, I'm going to have to just go home and recover. Um, I bet you do. Bet you do. Why is it? Remember last week's message, five bags? The person with five bags can make five more. Why is it that capable people with capacity know how to add capacity and people with very little capacity pretend that it's impossible? Because people with high capacity have lots of commitments and know that if they don't have a system, it all crashes. You're ad hocing your way through life rather than structuring your way into your destiny. You've got no plan. You've got to have a plan. The second thing that I think is a, a vital uh, understanding of how to navigate what we've got in our bag is to be careful of overloading things. Have you ever been to someone's home? I, I used to be quite guilty of this. You've got a multi-plug attached to a multi-plug attached to a multi-plug attached to a multi-plug. You've got two or three connectors using tape to hold them. You've got to wiggle and juggle things so that something comes on. And if the breeze comes up, which happens every day in PE, everything goes off. Things trip, so you got like you 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 got like a broomstick holding up the you got a broomstick holding up the earth leakage at home. You don't know what the earth leakage is. You got a, that thing that trips that there's no power, not the political one, the physical one. Then, sorry, it's about power today, and and you you bet you're overloading the system. Um, do, do you know, I, I have found that when I connect, sorry, camera, um, when I connect properly, I'll keep it on my desk, when I, uh, table, when I connect properly, um, I am at peace and things don't burn out. When the number of connector capabilities are filled with the correct connections, I have peace. And I'm not worried about burning out. I'm not going to trip. Quit tripping. I'm using that term in both ways. I know why you're tripping. You're overloaded. You're calling it a personality problem. I'm just telling you, you need to unplug some stuff and plug in the right stuff and you'll quit tripping. I apologize for my Americanization of the message uh, today. Romans chapter 6 uh, says this, uh, uh, that means <clears throat> give sin, uh, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. How many things are you doing connected to something? Little errands you run that are connected to something that's meaningless. You have to just cut those out and let God give you peace. Now, uh, the, the pastors and I were on a prayer retreat this week for two days. Excellent time. Amazing time. We actually live in a remarkably beautiful part of the world out in the bushveld there. It is stunning. One of the conversations we've been having over the last few weeks is identifying leaders, people with leadership capacity and gifting, and finding ways of empowering you at Father's House. And you know what we discovered? At first we thought, okay, do we know the people who are leaders? And then we started making a list. Do you know what we discovered? We actually have more leaders we can personally identify, people with leadership capacity, than we even have slots for right now. 
So you know what the Lord told us? Don't worry. It's modular. I'll add some more. You see, one of the, one of the goals of the Christian life is wherever there is a gap to fill it. And if you've got a capability, use it. You know, um, I, I'm not a mystic, you know, yin and yang and positive and negative and all that. Uh, dark and light. I don't believe in that. I, I, I believe in light overcomes darkness, but is not equal to you. I don't think there's two equal parts. But I also think uh, that life is a transaction in a lot of ways. Uh, money is constantly looking for somewhere to be spent. Lonely people are constantly looking for somebody to heal them. Angry people are constantly looking for something to punch. Kids are constantly looking for stuff. I don't know, snacks. Life is a transaction. There are things that are capable looking to fill things that are vacant. So you must choose wisely. So I don't want to get to the end of my life and find I had spent it badly. But, but do yourself a favor, do spend your life. In fact, in one sense, the Bible says we should waste our lives. Not like you think. Waste it in the service of others. But do spend it. He who saves his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my name's sake saves it. But you must spend it. You must spend your life. That brings me to point number three. And for the third time this year, I'm going to end on time. The miracles just keep coming. Uh, these things must be ordered. <clears throat> what I mean by that is, um, I referred at the beginning to having plans uh, in my bag. I've been working on with an architect friend, part of our church, Ruan, who also helps us with church stuff. And um, do you know what I realized? If you plan things properly, you shouldn't have to use multi-plugs. How good is that? My TV's going to go, yeah, it doesn't need to be a big TV. I'm, I'm not obsessed with, because I, I'm obsessed with watching on an iPad. But I'm going to need a sound bar. I have one. Hey, what kind of plug have I got? I got that one. Put that in there. I'm going to need a Wi-Fi connector and a hard wire uh, now and then. Put a plug in there for that. I've got a turntable because I'm old school and cool like that. So I can play vinyls. You know what vinyls are? Taylor Swift fans do. She sold the largest number of vinyls ever on her last album. I know what kind of plug that gets. Plug that in. So you might wonder, well, what's the point of that? Well, the point of that is to tell you that when God made you, he already knew all the apparatus and all the function and all the capacity you would need. He wired you that way. God created you divinely with every connection you need in order to live a meaningful and fulfilling life. Your duty in pursuit of obedience to him is to fill those connectors with all the right things. If something's missing, Devote yourself in obedience to Christ to find what it is and plug it in and switch it on. 
And maybe the power and work of the Holy Spirit will make sense after that. Because when I've plugged in my appliance called church life, and when I've plugged in my appliance called friendship, and when I've plugged in my appliance called work life, and when I've plugged in my appliance called social responsibility, I look at it all and go, that's going to take power. And so then Jesus says to his disciples, don't go anywhere. Don't go running off on any of these things until power has come in Acts chapter 2 because what you'll need is power to make it all work. So what's in your bag? There is one passage of Scripture about what's in your bag that I, on this topic, I especially want to take you to. Concerning an ordered life, Psalm 37 comes to mind. It says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. But to conclude, and this is perhaps a point of where I want to minister to, some of you will know that the nation of Israel in the Bible didn't have a king, because a physical king, because God was their king. But one day they looked at all the other nations and they said, we need a proper, like our own king, like a physical one. And some of you will know the story that they voted for a man and nominated and voted for a man called Saul. And um, he became their first king. It didn't end very well in one way. There was some trouble. But I want to show you a a verse in the Bible when they first found him. And I, I think it might punch you in the spirit in a good way. 1 Samuel 10 from the New Living Translation says this, and Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. Lined up all his brothers. Who does God want to be the king? You. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding amongst the baggage. So they found him and brought him out. And he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. You know, I can't help wondering whether... <clears throat> Uh, People are not living because they're hiding. Keep looking in the bag wondering, why don't I have? Keep looking in the bag wondering what I wish I had. Keep looking in the bag wondering what I've got to hide away in the bag. And here's a man who could be king. And instead of stepping forward, he's hiding in the baggage. There's a second meaning to that baggage, isn't there? Hiding in the baggage of your stuff, your issues, your past, your emotions, just hidden there don't want to get involved, I don't want to step out, I don't want to start a business, I've heard this, I've seen that, I've done that, and it's just baggage on your shoulder. Do you know that a hundred people can fail at something because it wasn't in their connector and you would succeed at it if it was in yours? It's what God made you for. So as we think about 2023 and we on-ramp this conversation to what this year looks like, ask yourself, What's in my bag? And what are my connectors? Have they been wisely chosen? Have I got the right stuff plugged in? Am I occupying the right way? Am I loaded up correctly concerning things I want to do with my life? Is God's power able to touch it and bring it to life? Have I realized how much he's made me for? And am I willing to trust him to put the right things in the connectors. The, the devil, it's a 
heavy word to end with, is tricking us. He is occupying our capacity with rubbish. And we need to unplug some things and say, I don't need that. And we need to plug in some things that are meaningful in life. Or else you're going to get yourself into health, mental health, spiritual and physical trouble. Can you say amen to that? Well, would you stand with me? Let's pray. Now, I know it's tempting to rush off to the coffee machine. But if you'll give me a minute or two, the coffee machine will still be there. Machines will still be there. I do want to pray. I want to remind you of a few things. Firstly, there are people up front trained to pray for you personally every Sunday. You just come afterwards. You can wait until the crowd thins out if you want and come to the front. Someone will pray with you. Secondly, we have communion at the front every Sunday that you can share in. And once a month, we do it as a little service before the service. Today was that day. And at half past eight, we have communion in the chapel. Uh, There are prayer request cards. Just fill in something. I don't want to talk to anyone, but I'd like you guys to pray for me. Or a praise report. Hey, God came through. And you write it down. We take it to the staff prayer meeting on Tuesdays and we pray together for you every week. Also, at the end of every service, we put a prayer up. And that prayer is designed to help you cross the line from being an observer of the faith to a follower. If you ever pray that prayer at any service or online, and you don't have a Bible, you let us know and we'll give you a Bible for free. We'll also encourage you if you pray that prayer to let us know so we can invite you to a a get-together called Alpha, which is sort of a 10-week conversation about the faith. Costs you nothing and it'll help you find your feet. And that's available all the time. It's part of who we are. I want to encourage you to use it. But before we put that prayer up on the screen, I want to pray for you. And the prayer will be that God will order our connectors. Father, thank you so much for building us with capacity. Thank you that we want to be wholehearted about each of the things that are meaningful in our lives and that they are not infinite, they are finite. So we want to be deliberate about it. Would you please order our steps for the steps of a righteous man or ordered of the Lord? Would you please teach us what should be and what shouldn't, what should stay and what should go, what is a disconnect and needs to be healed, what feels out of place and needs to be restored? Will you please teach us to be diligent? Because when we are, you'll add connectors. You'll make space. You have a way of making space for us. And today I especially pray, Lord, for things that occupy us that we can do nothing about. Things that occupy us that are hurting us. Things that occupy us that are limiting us. Would you, in the name of Jesus today, in this room, Dissolve that. Heal that. Cut the dead branch out. Things that aren't taking, get it away. So that we can enter into the next steps or season or or sphere, space in our lives, unencumbered by limitations, ready to say, I've got capacity for it and I'm going to devote myself to it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Would you give God one more shout of praise as the prayer goes up on the screen?